1: Plan savings with three lines of T Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: 806, tonight. MLX, I'm George A you Can't miss with a little blonde. Buzz didn't leave it up for a little while. Always good to have a little bit of Lonnie. call me is the song and please call me, call us, call us this evening. 314-436-7900 is the number and plenty to talk about on a Tuesday night here. KMOX at your service is the program. A lot to get into tonight coming up here in the next couple of hours that I'm with you. We're going to talk to KMOX sports director, Tom Ackerman, get a little more insight from what's going on down in Jupiter, Florida, as the Cardinals have made it to their rather rushed camp, and we're already worried that our ace pitcher may be in some trouble from the health standpoint. So we'll get into that with Tom. He'll give us a little bit of insight there. Meanwhile, did you hear about what the Senate passed? Sean mentioned it in the news, or actually CBS mentioned it in the news. We have found bipartisanship in Washington, a 100 to nothing vote in the United States Senate today to basically keep daylight saving time all the time. This is an interesting topic. Everybody seems to think this is a great idea. It'll just, it'll always be light later. Not really thinking about what's going on earlier, it doesn't sound like, especially the folks who don't live in places like, say, St. Louis or go further north, where it'll be halfway to lunchtime before the sun comes up if they decide to do this but we'll talk about that. Want to hear from you at George sells on Twitter if you want to hit me up with a tweet. I've got that question already posted and you can also give us a call and tell us what you think about daylight saving time. A lot of people think this is a great idea. My wife and children think this is a great idea. I beg to differ and uh, I'll be will- I'll be willing to stand my ground on that. So let's uh, let's talk about it. Also coming up later on this hour we're going to talk to the president and CEO of Wally's, the new mega gas station down in Fenton. I don't know if you've been through there yet. It's down off of I-44. I'm seeing people nodding in the room. Uh place is cool. I took my kids there this weekend. I mean, it's a monster gas station. You're thinking, what's so exciting about a monster gas station? But you go in and they've got the – there's a guy like a carving station, a guy carving up brisket to make barbecue sandwiches that are really good. There's another guy walking along with what looks like one of those big Lowe's paint buckets full of popcorn. Seemed a little excessive, but you know, tasty to each their own. And uh, the it's it's a sheer size thing almost with this place. And I want to talk to these folks about the why? You know, why is is bigger always better? I guess becomes the question. There's a place down in Texas called Bucky's that is trying to take over the South. And I'm wondering if these folks with their second stop here in the Midwest and kind of looking to follow along, I believe it's the I-70 corridor, uh, If if maybe they're looking to uh, take over the mega mega gas station market uh, north of the Mason-Dixon line. So we'll see. We're going to ask those questions of Michael Rubenstein, looking forward to that. Also coming up later on, remember Earth Day? Remember how they always had cool stuff in Forest Park and all the fun things and like everything else that was fun in life, COVID killed? well, Earth Day is coming back. We're going to talk with Earth Day 360 folks here in St. Louis, find out a little more about what they've got planned for Forest Park, and it got to be a relief just to get things going again. It's been a long time since we've been able to gather for a lot of things like this, and now, slowly but surely, we're all you know, jumping back in and gathering, getting together, uh, which also brings up a point. It's another thing I want to discuss at some point this evening, and it's about the COVID situation and some would say it's a fading situation, but it's really interesting. If you go online and look up a couple of the English, English language newspapers in Hong Kong, for example, the South China Morning Post, you will find discussion of a major lockdown in China uh, in mainland China and a lot of pressure on the folks in Hong Kong to do the same thing. And they're pointing fingers back and forth and Hong Kong is closing their beaches as of tomorrow because some, somebody from the mainland came in who was sick and it's spreading like wildfire in the far East again. And this seems almost reminiscent of, you know, February, 2020 when this big thing started in China, and everybody's like, yeah, it's China. It's halfway around the world. Big deal. I just, I guess, I hope we're not getting cocky. We already kind of did this once where we sort of put it all away and said, hey, we're done. Masks can come off. CDC told everybody to take off their masks and throw them away, and then the Delta variant came along. And it's just we we've had this, we seem to have gone through this cycle a couple of times where – it was just something way off in the distance that was, uh, wasn't was impactful to us. And then all hell broke loose. And then we got through it the first time. And then we were ready to you know get back to our normal lights. Boom. There we go again. And now here we are once again overseas. You've got the spread. Meanwhile, here, here domestically, kids are going on spring break. You've already got a lot of families uh, from various parochial schools around St. Louis who are Gone this week, hitting the beaches in Florida, I'm sure. Uh, My kids go next week. A lot of other districts, the public school districts go next week. Uh, It's happening all over the country. Should we be worried? Should we be concerned like we were going into Thanksgiving and Christmas the last couple of years? Just a question. Not trying to be a fear monger here. Trust me. I hope it's not. The day they told me I didn't have to wear a mask at work anymore, the mask came off. Couldn't wait happy to do it when it was still required. You know, I've, I've been the, I, you've, if you've heard me on this show, you know that I've been the guy who has been a, a proponent of listening to the advice of the scientists and the CDC and just kind of do what you're told. And it's worked for me and my family thus far. And I hope it stays that way. But, uh, so I, but I, I don't want you to think I'm fear mongering on this, but it's just, we keep watching these cycles and you, know, you, you, All the things we're talking about with our kids these days, you know, I have to go back and forth between the global pandemic and when it's going to end. And, hey, dad, do you think they're about to start World War III? Not an easy time to be a parent. (laughs) All this stuff is just kind of baffling, frustrating, and hopefully we can get through it all without too much alarm or difficulty. Anyway, that's kind of a lineup of what we're looking at over the next two hours. I want to hear from you. Once again, the call the number to call, 314-436-7900 to weigh in. I'm at George Sells on Twitter. You can hit me up that way if you want. And we're going to get to it. Tom Ackerman coming up next from Jupiter, Florida. It's 813. I'm George Sells. KMOX is at your service.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fee. At 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. CTMobile.com.
2: Camelux at your service on a Tuesday night. George Sells back with you until 10 o'clock. Of course, The Cardinals, actually in spring training, lockout over. It is the talk of the town, and it is the talk of Jupiter, Florida, which is where we find KMOX Sports Director Tom Ackerman. Tom, thanks for joining us.
3: Yeah, George, anytime, buddy. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great and could not be more thrilled to have baseball back in my life. I was worried like everybody else. And the first thing I want to ask you is about the weirdness factor in Jupiter, Florida, where we have not had a full spring training since 2019 and really won't this year. So uh, what has it been like down there?
3: Well, it feels pretty normal to me. I got to go in the clubhouse, talk to players. The players are out on the field. They're wearing Cardinal uniforms. It does feel good. I mean, it might be different, but it's not even close to what it was last year, which I actually didn't make it down here. I've been coming here for 20 years and didn't make it last year because of covid we were restricted on our travel and then in 2020 of course spring training was cut short i was here for just a week so it um it it feels better to have that going and knowing we're going to have a season and that the lockout is over all of those things feel really really good so it's a little bit different than what people are used to but i think fans are going to have fun seeing this team they'll be down here Starting games on Friday at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. They take on the Astros, and then we get after it.
2: And the man who will not be stepping on the hill is one Jack Flaherty. Uh, News of uh, shoulder soreness today. Of course, anybody who follows baseball hears the word shoulder attached to their favorite pitcher, and they immediately become upset. Uh, How worried should we be at this point?
3: It's hard to say. It's an examination that he underwent earlier today, and the Cardinals uh, official confirmed that to us this afternoon, that earlier in the day Jack had an exam on his shoulder. This is something we may find out more about later tonight or perhaps tomorrow morning, what that exam looks like. This is an injury that I think is connected to last year. So what happened last year is Flaherty got injured on May 31st, but it was an oblique injury. He was actually swinging the bat in a game, and an oblique can last a long time. So he did sit out for all of June, all of July, and he came back in the middle of August. And then 12 days later, he was injured again. He was on the IL with a shoulder strain. Sat out a month with the shoulder strain, and finally came back to the team on September 24th and finished out the year. The year wasn't very long after that. He was only with them for about 10 days, and the Dodgers knocked him out. So we've been kind of waiting to see what a healthy Jack Flaherty would look like, and now we don't see a healthy Jack Flaherty. He's going in for a shoulder. We don't know exactly what that is. It could be the smallest little thing that they're just checking out as a precaution, whether it's discomfort or whether it's a little soreness or whether it's just something that doesn't feel totally right, they are checking that out to see if he's okay. My hope is that this is just a knee-jerk precaution, early spring training, but then again, it's not early. It's March 15th and the Cardinals start on April 7th and he could very well have been the opening day starter at Bush Stadium. So it is a concern from that standpoint until you hear otherwise. Um, But I think that, you know, the hope is that he's just going through something that the Cardinals are being very cautious about. I mean, heck, yesterday Alex Reyes served his shoulder or was discovered in a physical that his shoulder was sore. And then they decided to examine that and and give it an extended look.
2: What do you do? I mean, obviously, we're all hoping like you said, that it's just a, a knee-jerk reaction, everything's fine, and Jack's out there throwing it a couple of days. The worst-case scenario on this, of course, is something more, more serious. What do we do in that spot? We've got a, We've signed two or three guys that supposedly could be swing guys – some have complained that they're kind of uh, bargain bin pitchers comparatively. Is, would they go out there and look for somebody else? Is there somebody else to look for? Or would they kind of speed along somebody uh, in the organization, the Matthew Libertors of the world?
3: I think that Libertor probably doesn't make a start until later this year. I don't know that he's an option. I think that they really like Drew Verhagen. They've looked at him for a couple of years now. He's the one who came over from Japan that um, pitch for the Detroit Tigers. I actually watched him pitch today. He's kind of your prototypical Cardinals pitcher. He's big and tall and throws right-handed. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, he looked fine to me. Strike thrower, keeps the ball down, gets ground ball outs, best defense in baseball. I think they feel pretty good about that depth, but I think the guy that gets the crack before that is Jake Woodford. They've been high on Woodford for a long time. So he would be the one who would jump right in there. And there are some other pitchers out there. So there's always a chance that you could end up with somebody on the free agent market. I'm just kind of, without looking at the list, kind of guessing here. I don't think Zach Grinke has signed anywhere. So, I mean, there's somebody who's 38 years old, but, you know, I guess if I were to take a wild guess, you know, maybe, maybe. But I think mostly they're probably going to go with, you know, somebody inside the organization. I mean, last year they went and got a whole bunch, if you recall, right? They had Jay Happ and they had John Lester, who's now retired. You know, Happ's like 39 years old. Lester is about that age. Um, you know, I, I just don't – maybe they go out and get a veteran guy, but probably they go with what they have and weather the storm. They do have some – you mentioned Libertor, and they have some other pitchers in the minor leagues that are interesting that might be able to fill that spot. But that's kind of where you are. They had seven pitchers going in as starters, Woodford and Verhagen being the others.
2: So tell me this: we we always everybody's always optimistic at spring training. There seems to be a different level of confidence, of swagger, if you will, surrounding this team this year. Uh, a more of almost a World Series or bust attitude, it seems like, that you don't normally hear. But what is the feeling you're getting being around everybody and just you know, the, the, the sense you get or the vibe you get uh, from this club?
3: I think it starts with Ollie Marmol, uh, The Cardinals manager basically said this team, the goal is to win the World Series, almost indicating that it's a disappointment if they don't. And I think that permeates the clubhouse, George. I really feel like all the players feel that. Paul Goldschmidt has sort of reflected that in his statements. Nolan Arenado, same thing. Adam Wainwright, same thing. And if Yachty was here and he's not, and he's hopefully going to be here soon, he's been dealing with a personal issue, and the Cardinals have respected that. Um, If that were to to get to the point um, where the Cardinals entire clubhouse is feeling it I think it's there I think and I think that has to do with the manager and there have been some greats in Cardinals history no doubt about it Um, and Ollie's going to have to prove himself as a manager but I love the statement out of the gate I think it's a great way to get everybody on track to get everyone prepared and focused in a shortened spring training get your eye on the prize and bring home the trophy I haven't heard him talk like that this team talk like that in a while They, they always talk about being competitive and going after it and Getting into the playoffs and you know taking their best shot and all that kind of stuff, but I have not heard them say sort of like push everything in the middle of the table and say let's go win a World Series. That's cool, you know, and that's what you want from your team. So I, I think that is, I think there is a little swagger there, and and you know you what you're the St. Louis Cardinals. You're the 11-time World Champions. No one's more in the National League than you. No one's won more in the last 20 years in the National League than you. There are very few teams that have won more postseason games in the last two decades than you. So let's go.
2: Reason and for I swagger. A great message. Reason for yeah. swagger. Well, finally, uh, two water cooler conversations where I work in my day job today, uh, both surrounding the 25th or 26th spot on the bench. Uh, both surrounding a young man by the name of Albert Poolholtz, we all know and love. Uh, I had one person talking about the benefits of bringing him here. I had another person who still is not over what happened 11 years ago and doesn't want him back. What do you think? Is this a realistic thing? Is this something you'd like to see? Is this something that would be good for the club?
3: I think it would be great for the club, but then again, I'm selfish, and I love Albert and as a human being and as one of the greatest players in team history and the best hitter I've ever seen. So to your friend who can't get over it, you know, it has been 11 years, and, you know, you can be whatever you want, but that's not me. And I I didn't like it when he was gone, and I didn't point fingers. It just happened. But, uh, you know, I'm over that. But then again, what do the Cardinals really need? If I'm totally honest with you, the Cardinals need a lefty bat in the DH spot, not really a righty. And I know I'm looking at this, you know, uh, like analytically, but this is the truth is they need a left-handed bat and preferably somebody um, who could who could last the entire year. I'm not saying that Albert can't do it. Now, on the flip side, Albert would sell a ton of tickets and he'd be great. I mean, we've been talking about this for years, I think, that to have him back would be amazing. Um, but what's what's realistic and what will the Cardinals do and and what's the best fit for him, et cetera, I think has to be factored into all of that. But, you know, the DH is one of my top concerns about this team. We're not concerns, but, like, things that have to be resolved here soon. And the other one, at, in terms of position players, would be – shortstop. So we'll see where that goes.
2: Well, Tom, enjoy your evening. Have a nice dinner out there and enjoy Indiana Hoosier basketball. Thank you for joining us and uh, being with us on a Tuesday night in beautiful Florida. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh
4: your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact.
2: 5 right now. I had to wait for the zeros to flip over, so draw out the syllable. Why not? George Sells with you till 10 o'clock tonight, talking about a variety of things. And right now, I wanted to, to get into something. I want to hear from you also. Give us a call. 314-436-7900 is the number. And it's about, uh, you know, world-ending disasters, things like that, because it seems like as a parent, I'm spending a lot of time talking to my kids about these things the last couple of years. Obviously, global pandemics are the stuff of nightmares and just general fear and malaise with kids, even as they're a little older. I've got you know, middle school age, high school age kids. But, you know, working through this over the past couple of years has been something that has taken some time and, uh, you know, discussion and you worry about these things, but you know, now we've kind of, we feel like we've gotten past that though. I'll touch on that some more in a moment, but now our newest one of course is what's happening in Ukraine. And I found it interesting. I was flipping through the New York times a little while ago online. And uh, one of the top opinion columns is the headline is this is how world war three begins. So, any parent of a kid who's looking at the New York Times today is saying, thanks a lot, pal. Appreciate you. But his point is well taken. Uh, and, it can, and the headline can be interpreted a variety of ways. The thing that went to my head immediately uh, was the prime ministers of Poland, uh, the Czech Republic and Slovenia going to Kiev today amidst all the shelling and bombing that is going on. And I'm immediately thinking of Archduke Ferdinand and World War One and, you know, one – sort of minor politician gets assassinated and the next thing, you know, you have a, a what, at the, what was at the time, the worst conflict in the history of the world. And you wonder about these guys running around in Ukraine and is this is going to be any better, looks like everybody got out unscathed at this point, And now we've got president Biden going to Europe next week. And you have to wonder if after this happens, he's going to feel a need to do some kind of surprise pop up in Ukrainian territory. And yeah, Something happens to a motorcade with a wayward Russian shell and World, World War III it is, baby. I mean that, that's, that's what happens. Uh, just the same way that if uh, something aimed at western Ukraine where the Russians have kind of moved the war at this point, uh, if it pops over the border into Poland, there's a problem. Poland's a member of NATO. Attack on one is attack on all. Article 7, I believe, of the NATO pact. And uh yeah, same same bad set of circumstances. So this this is worrisome stuff. And though the column actually in The Times was talking more about not something like I'm describing, but uh, the number of different things that happened leading up to World War II that were parts of the start of World War II from the Spanish Civil War, the uh, Angelus, which was the annexation of uh, the Sudetenland and uh, the Czech Republic at the time, or Czechoslovakia at the time, forgive me, and how all those things led up to the conflicts that finally set the whole thing off, the fuse leading to the stick of dynamite, if you will. And that is also very unsettling. Obviously, you hope there's going to be something that's going to happen that will lead this in a better direction, though it's right now it's kind of hard to find an exit ramp for Vladimir Putin that doesn't involve finishing what he's started. And then you worry about what happens next. So you've got that and that, because we have the attention span of a squirrel in this country, that is the front page of all the papers. That is everything. It's from the New York times to the St. Louis post dispatch to the Baton Rouge advocate. It's if you got your local stories and you have Ukraine, and that is the news. And that is what's happening in the world. And there's not much, if anything, certainly on the front pages about COVID. Oh, wait, that's done. They said like two, like two weeks ago, I could take my mask off at work. So that, 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 We're good, right? Well, if you peruse the globe a little bit, uh, go online, look up the uh, South China Morning Post. That's the English language newspaper in Hong Kong. Guess what's all over the front page there? Nothing about Ukraine. We're back to COVID. (laughs) Over there, they have got another major outbreak, a lot of it happening in mainland China. And there are several cities, particularly in southern China near Hong Kong's border, that are on lockdown. And... You know, we've got our folks in this country. You, know, you had the truckers who th- blew through here last week, and yeah, you know, they want to talk about having their freedom attacked because uh, they were, you know, they're made to wear masks in public places. Well, these guys need to stay away from China because in China they know how to do lockdown. In China, they basically come and line you up on a street and give everybody a test, and if you fail it, they take you back in the house and they weld the door shut. That's how they do lockdown in China these days. Well, you got this kind of stuff going on there. And in Hong Kong, apparently they, they're also locking down in some, in some areas, but not to the extent that many in mainland China would like. So you've got this war of words going on and Hong Kong today is closing up their beaches because uh, some Chinese tourists came in and got everybody sick with COVID and they're going to lock down and big old mess going on. Right? Well, here's the thing. Think back to say, February 2020. Oh, yeah, that was that that thing was going on in China. That wasn't going on here. Well, we know what happened. (laughs) So I I guess all I'm saying is, as we talk about our various global disasters, is don't take your eye completely off the ball. (laughs) Let's remember that we've had a couple of runs on the curve where this thing has come back in us again. God, I hope it's not going to happen, but uh, it's a little unnerving. And uh, we shouldn't be caught by surprise if anything happens. KMOX Time, 841. I'm George Sells, and we'll be back in a moment. 8.46 p.m., KMOX at your service. George Sells with you until 10 o'clock tonight. So on Saturday, my wife was out of town. I'm home with the kids, and... My son and I concoct a plan to go to the biggest gas station we have ever seen. You've probably heard about Wally's at some point uh, in the last week or so as they had the lead up to the big opening. It's this new monster gas station convenience store, they got everything concept uh, that is open just off I 44 down in Fenton, uh, just to the west of uh, 270. And We went there, and it lived up to expectations, and it was so cool that my 16-year-old not only went with his dad to the place, but then turned around and went back with his buddies that night. So what is the draw? This is what we need to find out, and we are joined now by Michael Rubenstein, president and CEO of Wally's, to help us with the answers. Michael, welcome to KMOX.
5: Hey, good evening. How are you doing?
2: Doing very well, thank you. And. uh some, some great reviews from our household of, of the concept. Uh, how did things go for you guys? Did it go as expected on the first weekend? You certainly had a lot of hype and some big crowds.
5: Oh, man. It Honestly, the only word to explain it is just overwhelmed, and, and in the best way possible. It was uh, just the amount of uh, publicity that, that we received and the experiences that people were having having. having uh, just really blew all of our expectations out of, our wa- of the water. Um, we knew St. Louis would bring it, but it was really amazing to see.
2: Now, for those who aren't familiar with the concept, we've got this... It's like everything's just big, 72 gas pumps, but then you go inside the store and... There's a barbecue place back here where you got a guy like sitting there carving brisket. This is this isn't like a fast food brisket either. This was good stuff. And you got and then I see this other guy with one of those big Lowe's style paint cans or paint buckets, uh, five gallon buckets filled with popcorn, and then and every other thing you can imagine. Just about it seems like, where did you guys come up with this concept? What made you want to do this? This is the second one. What what's the story? How do you get into the mega gas station business.
5: <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 kind of a wild story just how, you know, business and, and ideas happen. Um, I'm originally from Sullivan, Missouri, grew up there. Uh, and my cousin, Chad um, Wallace, who is it lives in St. Louis, I've been a developer, kind of had a developer background. Uh, they've been in the C-store business. And, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, hey, we should build, you know, this a big travel center between Chicago and St. Louis. We're from St. Louis area. We lived in Chicago. And, you know, that was really the impetus. And it was one of those things where we started with the business plan uh, over four years ago and it just kind of evolved and we got some really amazing people to, to be on the team. And uh, we just have tried to, throughout the process, tried to really stay, you know, authentic to, to what we want to do and the brand that we want to create. And it's really kind of taken on a life of its own. And we're just, just so happy and pleased with, with how things are going.
2: So when you're going to somebody who's uninitiated, how do you describe it? What are the things you love about it and the things that you want to tell people about when you are describing it to somebody who doesn't know the deal?
5: Sure. So first of all, I mean, the, the, the visibility and the access from the interstate is, is pretty amazing. It's where the old Chrysler plant was. Uh, we're on like the southwest corner of all the development that's going on there with the Amazon, the new Gray Eagle headquarters, the Fenton Fire Department. And so we have a really spacious lot, a lot of room to move around, a lot of parking, obviously a lot of a lot of pumps. And then when you walk in the store, the 36,000 square foot store, we have your typical uh, convenience food store items and beer cave. We have our vault area, which has all of our interactive 360 food operations where we can produce a lot of product, but as a guest, you're able to see the food be made, whether it's at the cafe where we have uh, nitro cold brew um, as w- and specialty coffees, whether it's the barbecue station where you're able to see the barbecue being carved in front of you or at the popcorn station where you're watching everyone pop the popcorn. So that's kind of the middle of the store. And then on we have 10,000 feet of retail uh, that really everything kind of just tries to stay true to our brand, which is, you know, home of the great American road trip. Everything has a very seventy 80s kind of retro vintage vibe. Uh, and really, that's kind of the anything that we bring into the store, whether it's food, you know, retail or apparel. Uh, we try to stay true and authentic to our brand.
2: So you talk about the Great American Road Trip. Where does the Great American Road Trip lead from St. Louis? Cuz you've got two stores now. Where where are you going? Are you taking this down Route 66 or out toward Denver? What's what's the plan?
5: <laughs> uh the, the answer is yes. Uh I mean, we we're we're obviously uh, looking to to grow and scale and I think there's a lot of really interesting locations uh whether elsewhere in St. Louis, Kansas City, you know, Memphis, other kind of lower Midwest or elsewhere. Uh, You know, I really like the dynamics of what's going on at, at the Fenton location with the with the all the bridge work at 270 and 44 that was had so much traffic is finally finished. And so you know, that allows, it's obviously connected to the old Route 66, so it's the interstate as well that's getting the, the travelers as well as all the local commuters. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. Um, we were just literally completely overwhelmed with, with support. Uh, we had 85 team members to start, and we need to hire 40 more. So right now, my main priority is, is really trying to, to bulk up our workforce so that we can we can service you know our guests, the way that they want to be able to be serviced, which is quick, fast, and and keeping that high quality product.
2: And who is the target? Like, I was I was having this conversation with my son when we were there. Whether or not the target is local people flocking in like they did last weekend, or if it's more the people who are on that road trip, whether they're driving from Chicago to oh, to Dallas or, or or something along those lines. Is it the passerby? Is it the local customer or just kind of whoever shows up.
5: You know, I, I think the easier question to answer is who's not our target, and really the only people that we you know is that our store is not set up for is the eighteen wheel trucker. So we are not a truck stop. That's really kind of the key thing that differentiates us. Um, we but in terms of the local commuters, the passer throughs, the, the construction trucks, all the work related. Uh, trucks and sprinter vans and people that are are working are really all the people we appeal to because, you know, we're we're working on our self-checkout. You probably saw them. They weren't open yet, but we want to be able to be fast and convenient for someone, for a worker who wants to grab a a brisket sandwich and a soda and check out really quick because they got to get back to work, Um, as well as, you know, for... Uh, the traveler, or the family that wants to come in and, and spend, uh, you know, 10, 15, 30 minutes. So we are really, I'd say that's probably the better way to answer the question.
2: And in an interesting bit of timing, just along the lines of when you opened up here in, in a, I think, a, two, three weeks before you guys opened, Uh, had CBS on one morning, like one of those, like the Sunday morning show or something. And they had a thing about Bucky's down in Texas, which is kind of a, a, did you, was that an inspiration to you at all? Or was that just something where you guys kind of came up with similar concepts?
5: Um, I don't know that I would say inspiration. I mean, listen, they, they, they're, they're a success story. They do a really good job with, with their product and their clientele, um, you know the, the Bucky's Beaver is kind of ubiquitous throughout the store, and you'll see it plastered on everything. Um, we really took a different approach um, with you know Home of the Great American Road Trip, and every item of merchandise and uh, apparel and swag was all designed by you know our two designers in house, Andy and Ben, and so it, it's really allowed us to I think elevate uh, the experience. So we're we're not necessarily trying to have the biggest store. And I know that's hard to believe for people that are there the first time, but there are, you know, a bigger stores. We're really just trying to focus on quality and service. And we, you know, the middle of the, the store has 42-foot vaulted ceilings with clear story windows, a lot of natural light. And so we really just focused on uh, really elevating uh, the experience um, from from what is currently out there in the market.
2: All righty. Well, can't thank you enough, Michael Rubenstein, for joining us First Fenton, then the world. Global yes, domination just, just, clearly on the way. Yeah, as we look, as we you. look at Wally's down there off of and, I-44. Thanks and, for joining and, us, and, and I know we've got a lot of fans one here. Thing if
5: I, sure. One thing, if I can add, Saturday from ten to two, we are going to have a job fair. As I mentioned, we're trying to hire forty people, um, part time, anything. So thank you.
2: All right. So another job fair. We can talk about the job situation all day out there, too. (laughs) Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on KMOX. I'm George Sells, KMOX at your service. It is 856.